Now, I have a message. Don't put the screen up yet, please. I have a message, but I, I'm going to do an unusual, what we call a hodgepodge. Does that make sense to anybody? Do you know what a hodgepodge is? Ever had a, Sonia, I'm sure your girls know what this means, uh, where you have left overnight. You have a leftover, a smorgasbord of leftovers, right? Where you've, you, you've cooked all week, but then you don't feel like cooking. And so you give them a little bit of the, 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 little bit of the chicken from Tuesday night, a little bit of the lasagna from Wednesday night, a little bit of the sausage from Thursday night. Ever had, ever had a, a leftover night? This is leftover Sunday. Praise God. This is leftover Sunday. Okay, brother, we're going to give a little bit of a little bit of everything. So normally I have a succinct sermon that's going to last 45 minutes. If you're lucky an hour, praise God. Some people said, pastor, why are you taking so long on Wednesday? I told you Wednesday night is like Sunday morning. Now it's not because then nobody's going to want to come. So because you're half back, I'm going to have to make sure that I keep Wednesday night a bit shorter because I went two hours and 20 minutes, but no, Sunday morning goes two hours and 20 minutes. So what's wrong with what's wrong with going? But I, then I forget that Sunday afternoon you get a nap, Reverend Greg, but, uh, but, Everybody has to wake up for Thursday morning's, you know, work. So um, anyway, we'll, 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 try to, we'll try to keep it to under two hours on a Wednesday night from now on. But uh, today's leftover Sunday. When I say that, I don't mean that you're getting dregs or anything like that. You're not getting scraps, okay? Because I do have a title and I do have a message, but it's not long enough to fill the whole thing. And so I'm, I'm going to give you three distinct separate things today, the last being a mini sermon. Uh, but I want to talk to you about a couple other things which are completely unrelated to each other. So that's why I call it a hodgepodge. It's a little bit, you know, it doesn't really maybe fit together, but that's just the prompting I had to do today. And God does that way sometimes. And so I wanted to talk to you about a couple things this morning, which I believe will be a help to you. Praise the Lord. And, and, and Dr. Dufresne would say, if you knew, if you watched him at all, and you can still watch him. I mean, he's not, he's not in heaven, but you know, you can still get his you can still look on, on YouTube and you can watch archive sermons and you can still be fed by him. I am. And a lot of times he would say, you know, he, he taught us this phrase and he would say, uh, these are things that pertain to the spirit. These are things that pertain to the spirit. Why did he say that? Well, first of all, have a look with me in the book of 1 Corinthians, because that is actually a phrase that is from the scriptures. 1 Corinthians. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I'm looking it up in a, different, in a different translation for you here as well as the King James. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now gifts as I tell us, I so it's not there. They just say it to make it easy to understand. But it really just says now concerning spiritual. Yeah. Now concerning spiritual brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Amplified Classic says, now about the spiritual gifts, special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. Uh, now, brethren, you living brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. The Holman says, now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers... I do not want you to be unaware concerning what comes from the spirit. Now the Young's literal says, now concerning the spiritual things, brethren, I do not want you ignorant. In other words, it's not just gifts. Many translations don't even say the word gifts because it's not in the original. So I like the Holman's now concerning spiritual things. That's where Dr. Dufresne got that phrase from. These are things that pertain to the spirit. These are things that are spiritual. These are spiritual things. Many things that we learn about God uh, are, and you can learn as much from a sermon as you can learn from experience. Do you understand? God won't just teach you from a sermon. He'll teach you in real life. And, the, and when he teaches you, you start to understand, oh, this is a spiritual thing. This is, in other words, how God operates. This is how God works. Concerning things that are spiritual, God does not want us to be unaware or ignorant. He wants us to know things that pertain to the spirit or that are concerning spiritual things. So this, I'm, I'm going to share just a couple things with you that pertain. These are things that pertain or concern the things of the spirit. 
all three things are. The last is more of a typical little mini sermon, but I wanted to share something with you because I just felt the Lord say, talk to them about the son, because uh, even though normally I wouldn't, but I just felt that it would, it would just help you understand how the spirit works. And my job isn't just to preach to you uh, and just give you doctrine. My job is to help you understand how the spirit works and how the spirit flows because you'll extract nuggets for your own personal life. And if you listen carefully, there'll be some things I know because the Lord led me to do it this way, even though it's like like a leftover, a little bit undisconnected. But I know that there's nuggets that people need from what I'm sharing this morning that will help them. So the first thing I want to say, these are things that pertain to the spirit. Amen. This is how the Holy Ghost works. Praise the Lord. So the first thing is, I want you to know that, uh, and again, this is, none of these are long, but, but if we get it done early, then it will be a miracle and all of you will want to come back to church next week. But, but I just wanted you to know that we, we've, we stepped into a new room today. Now, these are things that pertain to the spirit. A week before June 21st, the week we started, we started on the 13th and 14th. And then, you know, that, that week, the 21st, I believe was a Sunday. And, and, that, and that week, the Lord said to me, it was earlier on like a Monday or so, Monday or Tuesday, I think it was a Monday, the 15th. And he said to me, he said, this coming Sunday, you're going to step into a new room. So I looked in the calendar and I saw that was the 21st. And I said, okay, Lord, well, praise God. And then that's when he started talking to me. He said, now don't, mysti- mis- make it myth- mis- don't mysticize or make it mythical or ethereal or don't be weird with what a room means. And that's how he showed me. He said, Hebron is a mansion. He said, Hebron is a very large house because it's going to last about seven years. He said, in a mansion, didn't Jesus say, I go to prepare a mansion in my father's house are many rooms. In my father's house are many mansions, many rooms. So in a mansion, think about a mansion. A large, a large mansion has many bedrooms, many bathrooms. It has a great room. It has kitchen, more than one kitchen usually. It has a rec room. It has servants' quarters. It has many different rooms. And the Lord said, don't get mythical about when I say you're entering a new room. What it means is you've come into Hebron, which is crossing the threshold of the house, the front door. You've entered into the mansion called the season of time, called Hebron, and you've been in the foyer. That's what he told me. He said, you've been in the foyer for some time. And now, but now I want you to start exploring the different rooms because in every room, there's something for you. In every room, there's different anointings. There's different angels. There's different assignments. There's different revelations. There's different arsenal of weapons. There's different financial supply. There's miracles. Every room has, but God, when you walk in, you don't just, unlike a house where you go, oh, I like that. And you go, you don't do that with God. He has to invite you into a room. And until he invites you in, you better be respectful and just stay put. When you go into somebody's house for the first time, you don't just, if they're off there, you know, whatever, doing something and they're about to come back, you don't just start wandering into their different rooms and say, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Remember Sound of Music? When she came in, Julie Andrews came into the front hallway and the, the main had gone off and, and, and the, 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 what's his name? The guy? Colonel Von Trapp, uh, uh, you know, he hadn't come yet and she's there and she opens up the door and she walks into that beautiful room. You guys are, are you okay? Have you ever seen that movie? If you haven't, get saved. You can't, you can't go to heaven without watching Sound of Music at least 1900 times. We watch it every Christmas. We watch it every spring. We watch it every Thanksgiving. I know, I've learned, I know all the words to all the music. We sing it, my wife and I, to the boys, and they go, that's critchy. I said, what does critchy mean? They come up with all these new words now, young people, about when you're a loser, when you're, when you're this, and now the new word is critchy. That's critchy, Dad. Don't sing that. These are my favorite things. That's critchy. I, they say critchy. I'm telling you, it's critchy. I know cringy, but they don't say cringy. They say critchy. You're behind, you're behind the curve. The new word on the internet is critchy telling you about it. Dun, 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 kittens and dust and the whiskers. I don't know all the words now. <laughs> These are a few of my, anyway. What, what, what was that? Oh, yes. So Julie Andrews goes in and Colonel Von Trapp is pretty miffed. Do you remember that scene? He comes in and he <laughs> closes the door, gets your attention. In other words, what are you doing exploring my house without my permission? 
You don't walk into somebody else's room when you enter into a home. And you can't walk into the rooms God has in Hebron's mansion without him inviting you in. You don't do that with God. So I don't know how long, he didn't tell me how long we were in the foyer for, but I know that we went, that we went into a room on June 21st and he told me on the Monday before you're going in. Now, now these are things that pertain to the spirit. I knew we were doing it. I knew something would change. So I didn't wake up Sunday morning, June 21st going, I just feel the anointing. Stop being a weirdo. That's why God doesn't won't use you because you're nuts. Not you, but Christians out there. You're, in my church, you're not. I think sometimes you think I'm attacking you. I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking the crazy ones watching me and, and who many aren't watching, but they're just nuts. They're just nuts. They're fruit flakes and nuts. Everything is a spiritual thing. Everything is a, a whiff. Everything is a fluff. Everything is, just stop. The most spiritual people I know didn't act that way. Dad Hagen was the most grounded, normal. He could have fun. He could have a hot dog. And yet he could have a vision while he's having the hot dog. I mean, he was just the most grounded, normal person. He wasn't trying to be. That's pride. You're trying to make yourself something you're not. Just be normal. So I didn't wake up June 21st expecting angels, feathers, and some, some weird something condensation in the corner of my room. I don't know. I see a cloud. Is that a cloud? Yes, that's a cloud. God is here. I didn't do that. I just woke up and I said, well, Lord, thank you. By faith, I've entered into a new season. This is a new season and I have no idea what's in this room, but Lord, I thank you. You're going to show me. Well, he showed me that morning as I preached, started, we started preaching about we're going to see some things. See, that revelation was in that room. And then the next, the 28th, we preached more and he showed me more. And then July 1st, he showed me more with doctor. And then July 2nd, he told me about this dramatic influx of divine joinings and surging forward and the king of Samaria, all that happened July 2nd, and then he showed more on the 5th. And, and so this, see, that room, that revelation was in that room. These are things that pertain to the spirit. I'm trying to help you understand how, how a local church should operate with a pastor that God has, not everything is just pulling a sermon out of a box. There is things that God wants to say because you're supposed to constantly be me. He is leading you into other avenues and other, the more fullness of the season that he has you in. And I'm, for lack of a better word, I'm saying rooms. That's what Dr. Dufresne called it. That's what Dad Hagen called it. And that's what Jesus called it when he spoke to me. So that's what I'm saying to you. Now, he said to me on Monday of this last week, I'm not, now see, Winston, I'm not going to start getting now make a doctrine that every time I go into a new room, he's going to talk to me on Monday. Just because it happened twice. Now, maybe that is a pattern or maybe it's not, but who cares? It doesn't really matter when he talks to me. But on Monday of this week, he said on Sunday, the second, you're going to go into a new room. And I said, well, but Lord, this other room has only been six weeks. Has it even been six weeks? Yeah, June 21st, about six weeks. I said, that's kind of short. And he answered me. He said, he said, some rooms are large and some rooms are small. He said, he said your pantry is small, but your living room is large. Yes. Right? Just like a house. Not every room is the same function. Not every room is the same purpose. And not every room is the same size. And some rooms, God has you in there just for a short time because he needs to deposit something in you and then he's moving you out to another room. Some rooms take months to go through. Other rooms take weeks or days to go through. He said, don't worry about the season of time. I'm telling you, you're about to go into something new. Something you, that what I needed you to get in this room, even though it was small, the revelation wasn't small, but the length of time was small. He said, you've got it. And that's what this thing about the surge, that's our bracelets. That, that's what this was about. He said, now, he said, there's something else this, that you need to know. I said, oh, Lord, I thought you have told me everything that there is to tell me. You've told me so much. I can barely keep up. He said, no, you're going in on Sunday. So I, I thought, wonderful. So I, I, we, we, we uh, had some company over last night and, and, and they left around 10.30 or so. And uh, I, I was getting ready for bed, helping Jenny get the children ready. She went about 11 o'clock and uh, about 11.30, something just started bubbling in my spirit. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And it felt the same way. I haven't felt that in a long time. In fact, the last time Lorena felt that was in that God-awful cabin on the boat. The, the cruise from hell. Remember that cruise? On the boat. Some of you was a cruise from heaven. For me, it was the cruise from hell. Um, uh, but anyway, I felt that sense on that, Wednesday, on that Thursday uh, in the cabin that same. I haven't felt it since. I felt that I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you like a bubbling, like a bubbling. I want to talk to you. And it was that Thursday, August the 8th, 
from 2 to 6 a.m. that he started showing me about Hebron and about the future. For four hours in that cabin with Luke sleeping there beside me and me with the little light on and writing notes. And, and I haven't felt that since, so it kind of surprised me. I said, oh, that's deja vu. I haven't felt that in a while. Now, I didn't expect it to be a big word, but I felt that same stirring. So, my kids I spent some time with Quinn and Cole. We prayed with them and different things. And they head off to bed about midnight because, you know, it's a Saturday night. They're not coming till one o'clock. They can stay up a little later. So they head off to bed about 12 o'clock or so. And I sat down in my, in my chair that I study in and I pulled out my, my, my phone and I said, well, Lord, I, I'm not exactly sure what tomorrow you want me to preach because it's not long enough. So maybe there's something more. So I just started studying, intending it for, to be for the sermon. But as I'm studying, God starts to lead me go here and go there and go there. And then I get up from the chair at about two o'clock and I go in my room because he had been, I'd been reading and studying, but that thing kept building and I got in my bedroom and I'm telling you, my brother, Greg, I had an encounter with God at two in the morning, same time. It was August the 8th last year at two in the morning. It was August the 2nd this year at two in the morning. He came into that bedroom. Jenny was in the other room with Luke and I was in my room and he spoke to me for quite some time about what's coming. And he showed it to me in the Bible. He's given me a perfect scriptural parallel just like he did before. And I am so excited. I just can't hide it. I am so in control and I think I like it. See, I changed the words. Some of you, you don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. You just go back to sleep. We'll wake you when the service is over. So I said, Lord, can I share this with the congregation? He said, you can share it, but not tomorrow. I want you to talk to your wife first. So anyway, that was the, that was the first thing. That was the leftover lasagna. Praise God. Can't tell you what God said, but it's wonderful. I'm telling you, it's wonderful. Now, who would have thought, who would have thought that, that, that uh, uh, with 30, within 30 minutes, two hours, between 30 minutes and two hours, somewhere in that, uh, of entering into that new room, because he said on Monday, August the 2nd, you're going to enter into a new room. There's something else I want to show you. I, I didn't expect him to show me that quickly. I thought maybe next week or the week after or whatever, but within two hours of entering that new day of August the 2nd, Jesus came in my room and I didn't see him, but Jesus came in my room and he started talking to me about, from the scriptures, about some stuff that has happened in our church and why it's happened and about what's going to happen this year. He talked to me about COVID. He gave me a scriptural parallel for COVID. He talked to me about exactly how, what we're doing and handling it and that he's pleased with us and how we are to continue doing despite this. Which is why it's so shocking when I hear that churches aren't even open. Because it's so anti what God wants. That is so not, that's so not charging forward. I'm not judging anybody. They do what God tells them to do. I'm just saying God is a charger. He's not a retreater. In general. You understand? And he talked to me about next year. He talked to me about the next year. He talked to me about the next year. And he talked to me about 2024. He talked to me about four years and what's going to happen in each year. And I'm telling you, my brother and sister, if you've got any brains, you'll just stay put. Because there is some glorious, wonderful things coming. And I don't know if that's a pattern or not. Uh, maybe, probably isn't. I don't know. I'm just saying almost, almost a year ago to the day that he started showing me some stuff about what is coming. And then again, he's showing me some stuff about what's coming. And uh, I just want you to know something. We are in this church and Winston, this means more to me than anything. We are in the absolute perfect will and perfect timing of God right now. We are not even a hair's breadth to the left or a hair's breadth to the right. We are exactly where God wants us. I didn't say you are exactly where God wants you in your life because if you don't obey, if you don't tithe, if you don't be honorable, if you don't walk in love, if you're not faithful, you're going to get off. But the corporate body, this vision, my life, and this vision called promise of life vision, as a corporate thing, we are exactly where God wants us to be. 
I'm so, Greg, 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 that means more to me than almost anything else that he is nodding his head at me and he is saying, you've done well. I'm proud of you. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're not behind and you're not ahead. You're exactly on cue. Now keep going. This is what's going to happen in the fall. This is what's going to happen in the, in the winter. And then he walked me through four years. I don't know everything that's going to happen, but he walked me through the theme of what the next four years, the theme of each year that is coming. I'm telling you, it is so exciting to be in God's perfect will. So remember, even though the church has rooms, do you realize that you also have rooms as an individual person? God has things for your year and for your life that he wants to reveal to you. The more you wait on God and pray and say, Father, what is the purpose? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this season? Because I'm part of the church and that's great in a corporate way, but what about individually with me and my wife and my children and my job and my this and my that? Uh, there, there, there are rooms that you want me to enter into and enjoy and receive counsel and help and wisdom and, and strength and miracles and angels. You know, you, you have a right to find out if, if where you're at in your business, if where you're at in your relationships, if where you're at in your, in your general life is where God wants you. And, if you. and if you learn to be sensitive, he'll show you. And if you're in the wrong place, he'll get you into the right place. I'm just letting you know that as a church, we're right in the right place. We're right in the right place. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, that was number one. Number two is this. Um, back when we started, now remember I said to you, we are not a hair's breadth to the left and we're not a hair's breadth to the right. Do you understand? We're right where we should be. But that only started we have been a hair's breadth off even during this last room. I've made a mistake. I made an error. And, and it, and, but now I've corrected that error. And because I've corrected it, that's why he said you were a little off before, but now you're right where you should be. So I know going forward, I'm right where I should be. But these are things that pertain to the spirit. It's wonderful to know you're in a new room. It's wonderful to know that God's revealing. It's wonderful to know that there's great days ahead. But uh, that's not the only thing that we have to focus on because we have to learn uh, how not to make mistakes. Otherwise, you'll never get to that place where God can use you right. So I'm going to give you an example. These are things that pertain to the Spirit. This is how the Spirit of God works. So I'm going to give you an example of how I missed it. Is that okay? So back when we started in June 13, 14, that week we were planning how we're going to handle all this people and uh, we need four services to fit all the people in. And so we went and we had been doing four live streams and there was peace about that. God didn't mind us doing the live streams for some reason on the four different services. But so I said, so I said to Lorraine and Taylor and the staff, I said, you know what? It just seems good to me. We've been doing four live streams. Let's just do four services. Let's just keep the same trend that we're doing. And they all agreed. And so we, we started to set in motion how we're going to plan to do four services. Same, we just were going to make the, uh, the Monday night, we're going to cancel. And we're going to make that Sunday afternoon. But other than that change, every day was still four like before. So, but, but then after I finished with the staff, uh, I, started, I started feeling something, something's not right. Something's learn, my brother and sister. Learn, learn when something doesn't feel right. Not because you ate something or because you're emotional or because somebody yelled at you. I'm not talking that soulish. I'm talking about in your spirit. If you never pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll never pick that up. If you love God, you're trying to live right to the best of your ability. You're trying to obey Him to the best of your ability. Not to mean you're perfect, but you're trying your best and you live a life of prayer and a life in the Bible. Your spirit will be able to tell when something's off. Because the Bible says that you have a right to be led by the Spirit, Romans 8, 14, and 16. Something was a little bit off. So I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? I don't know. Something's wrong. I know something's wrong. Have I done something wrong? I don't know that I did anything wrong. Have I done anything wrong? And the Lord started to deal with me. This was just in that week, right? That first week that we met together. We met on the 13th and 14th. This is that week, okay? And so the Lord started to deal with me and he said, uh, he said, now listen closely because I'm going to help you with something that some of you really need to hear. Okay? Because I missed it. That means if I can miss it, you can miss it. And he said, you can do the Friday nights if you want. Now I'm not going to say to you exactly the next phrase that he said because some of you don't know God well enough. And if I were to tell you what he said, it would cause you to stumble. Are you listening to me? Some of you are just still in a bubble and you think everything is a certain way and God is not 
contained by your emotions. And he can be very, very disciplinary at times. So I won't tell you what he said because it would, it would cause people to stumble because they don't know God well enough to understand what he would mean. But I know I understand what he meant. But I'll say it in a different way. I won't say it the way he said it. But basically he said, you can do Fridays if you want. I'll permit you. He said, but, now I'm going to dumb it down a little bit, but the people are not hungry enough to justify the sacrifice. But go ahead, I commend you for being a good pastor and wanting to feed the sheep. He actually said the word commend. He said, I know you want to feed them. I know you love them. I know that you, because you're hungry, you think everybody's hungry. Because you, if Pastor Nancy was here, you'd be begging for another service. But not everybody's like you, son. And not everybody wants it. They're busy, busy, busy. They're distracted, distracted, distracted. So go ahead and do it if you want, but I'm letting you know not everybody's hungry and it doesn't justify it. The price, the sacrifice that it's going to take to do it. So now, now listen, are you listening to me? Now when God gives me a choice, I figured I had the right to choose. So, because he did say I could do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I did it. I continued doing it. And, and, and we did those Fridays, and we've done them in the Fridays, and it was fine when there was nobody in the sanctuary, but, but and, and he didn't say anything to me. And look in that room, because we had just entered that room that Sunday. So even though I'm probably a little bit off, look at how much mercy, and look at how we accomplished everything in the room. Yes. Now, I only made this adjustment on Friday, two days ago, and we entered the new room today. So obviously, even a little mistake, a little flaw, a little not hearing or obeying exactly right wasn't enough to rob me of receiving what God wanted in that room. Because even though I'm not perfect, and take, take just, I'm trying to let you know, even if you're not perfect, God will still accomplish certain things because your heart's right. Your heart's right. My heart's right. But, so I'm still getting, I'm extracting the juices that are in this room, so to speak. But I noticed something because I know me. You don't know me, but I know me. My wife knows me other than Jesus better than anybody. And I would say that your mate would know you better than anybody. But, but my wife knows me and I know me. And even though it crept up on me and I didn't really catch it right away because it's very subtle, it's very subtle, but I, and I only noticed it really about a week, a week ago, maybe, maybe 10 days ago, right from June then till now. So I didn't even notice it for the first month. But I noticed that I was, I was getting very tired physically. I was getting very tired. I was noticing that I would uh, have thoughts and feelings that would come to me. Uh, and they're not from the devil either necessarily. Some of it might be, but that I don't want to preach anymore. I don't, I don't want to preach anymore. I'm not interested. Get somebody else to do it. They all think they can do a better job anyway. Just get somebody else to do it. I, 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 I need a break. I need a break. And for the first time in a, I don't know, I don't know if ever, I don't know if I've ever felt this. Maybe I have years ago, but I can't remember. So probably for the first time, I actually entertained the word sabbatical. Now I've preached against sabbaticals. Because sabbaticals is what denominational churches give their pastor because they're burned out. And they send them off somewhere to recoup and refresh for usually about three to six months so that they can get refreshed and refired and come back to feed the congregation. Dad O'Hagan always taught us you don't need to do sabbaticals if you're walking the spirit because you'll never get burned out. But I started to think, like actually entertain the thought, which I don't think I've ever done before. I think I'm going to take three months. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to see any counseling people. I don't want to see any congregation members. I don't want to see the staff. I don't want to see a soul. I want to just go away somewhere and I don't want to be with anybody. I just need time because I was starting to get frustrated. I was starting to get tired and I didn't pick it up at first because it's very subtle, but it's like, it's like the gears are grinding and there's no oil. Do you know that feeling? When there's oil, it smooths seamlessly. What is the oil? When there's an anointing, things move right. When there's no, when the anointing is not there right, things are hard. And I didn't realize, and, and my wife spoke to me this last week, about, about a week ago, and she said, Craig, she said, I need to talk to you about something. I said, what? I said, what did I do wrong? I can tell when she's going to rebuke me. She has a look that comes on her face. So I just kind of settle into that chair, close my eyes and say, bring it. <laughs> because I know I'm going to get spanked. And she said, I've noticed you're, you're being a bit hard on the people. You're being a bit, there's an edge to you and your preaching I haven't seen really before. Maybe others don't notice it. Maybe you do. I don't know. But she noticed it. She said, I noticed that you're frustrated at home a lot more than you used to be. 
She said, I notice that you're tired a lot. You're, you're tired a lot. And you're not, you're not connecting with the kids the way you normally do. And you just, you complain more about things about the church than you used to do. She says, what is going on with you? Something's wrong. She said, my job is to protect you. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I want to go away for three months. I don't want to see anybody. I want to preach. I, don't want to, I just don't want to do nothing. I said, I need a sabbatical. And she said, what are you talking about? You don't, that's not you. I know that's not you. She said, what is it? I said, I don't know, Jenny, but something's wrong. Something is not, there's no smoothness anymore. It's just a grind. Everything feels like a grind. I don't understand why. She said, let's pray. Thank God for people that know how to pray. So I started saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on here. You've just showed me this magnificent thing. In the month of June, you've just showed me about the surge. We even got bracelets, Lord. Did you see the bracelets? We got, are you wearing one, Jesus? Because you should be. We got bracelets here. I said, we got a bookstore. We got so much good stuff going on. Why do I feel this way? And the Lord spoke to me. Oh my God, he spoke to me. This is just like last Thursday. He spoke to me so clearly. He's, and he said it, you'd think because I'm hurting that he'd be real, real soft. And sometimes he is very soft with me and sometimes he's not because he knows that he knows that that's not going to have the impact it needs to. So he said it to me kind of sternly. And he said, just because I give you a choice does not mean you should take it. And he said it just like that. Just because I give you a choice does not mean that you should take it. And I knew instantly he was talking about Friday night. And I said, but you gave me the choice. You said, I commend you for trying to be a good pastor. And you said, I could do it, but it's not really going to work, but I could do it. And he said, just because I give you a choice doesn't mean you should take it. And he said, when I give you a choice and I show you this, which is what I suggest, and this, which is what I don't suggest, but you can do it. He said, I am showing you the permissive and the perfect will of God. He showed me that. He said, now you're not out of the will of God. If you're out of the will of God, you could die young. He said, this is still in the general confines of my will. But he said, within my will, there are two sub-wills and there is a permissive will and there is a perfect will. He, Paul talks about that when he talks about the good, perfect, acceptable, good and perfect will of God. There is a good, which theologians call permissive, and there is a perfect and he said, I was showing you the permissive and the perfect will, but just because I show it to you and I say that you can choose doesn't mean you really should choose. You can choose and you did. And look, I've still blessed you in this season. You've come into that room. You've received what you needed to receive. You haven't really, he said, now listen, this helped me so much. He said, but because you're not, you have not been in my perfect will and I told you what to do, but I gave you a choice and you thought you had a right to choose, but you don't. Your job is to stay in my perfect will. And he said, because you did not do that and you had the Friday night services when I told you that it was not the best idea to do that, he said, you stepped out of my perfect will and you stepped into my permissive will. And he said, and, and he reminded me of what Dad Hagen, Dad Hagen's taught a lot about the permissive will. And he said, and you remember that Dad Hagen taught you that in my permissive will, the anointing is not the same. There is a small measure, but hardly any. He said, when there's no anointing, things become a burden. Things become a grind. Things become heavy. There's not the light and easy. Remember, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's not the same joy and peace because you're outside my perfection of what I ask you to do. He said, now you've noticed it in your preaching. The anointing hasn't been quite the same. He said, you've noticed it in the frustration. He said, you've noticed it in the tiredness because when you, listen, it seemed like a hairbreadth. It's such a small error. It's not like I'm sinning. Like I'm, I didn't go with my COVID mask on and my glasses and my hat, which I kind of thought was kind of cool because I walked into a place and I thought I look like a bank robber. I got my mask, got my glasses. I mean, I look like all I need is a gun and I've already, I already got the costume. I didn't rob a bank. Ashwin, I, I didn't rob the motorcycle store and steal a motorcycle. That would have been a great infraction. I didn't sleep with somebody outside my wife. I didn't steal money from the offering. I haven't done any gross infractions. 
I'm not watching things I shouldn't watch or engaging with people I shouldn't engage with. It was a very small, I'm trying to teach you something if you'll learn from your pastor. It was a very small infraction and I was still technically in the will of God. I just wasn't in his perfect. Some of you, 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 you get out of his perfect will because you don't realize that even small things can take you out. And then life becomes hard. Life becomes a grind. What was easy is now hard. What was smooth is now grinding. And there's a frustration and there's a tiredness and there's a weariness. And then the thoughts to quit come and the thoughts of, I don't want to see anybody come. And the isolation, see, that's part of the strategy of the devil to isolate you. See, what is mathematicals? They isolate you. And I love, my, I love the ministry and I love preaching and I love my job and God knows that. It's the greatest honor of my life. But because I was out of the perfect will of God, even preaching became something I did not look forward to. Even when he gave me sermons and I know exactly what I'm supposed to preach, there was no joy in anticipating coming to church. I didn't want to see, I love the staff and I hide it very well, but I'm telling you, I didn't want to see this. I didn't want to see anybody since we started meeting together. And I started thinking, my God, maybe we shouldn't have met him. Maybe, maybe it would have been better just to stay on live stream and not even see people because I don't know something's wrong. No, it wasn't that God didn't want me to see people. It's not that that was wrong. It's that I disobeyed even in one small thing. And so that made me feel like I don't want to see, but God is happy with us seeing each other. But it wasn't working right for me because I missed it in one small area. I'm trying to think these are things that are concerning the spirit. When God asks you to do something and he gives you a choice, but he tells you what not to do. If I were you, I would not pick even though he gave you the choice. I would stay in the perfect will of God. If your life today is hard and a grind and laborsome and weary and you're frustrated and you're edgy, you're out of the perfect will of God. And some of you sitting by the spirit, I know you're sitting here today and you have been carnal and you have been in the flesh. Some of you watching, you have been carnal, you have been in the flesh. God has told you sometimes big things and you haven't obeyed, let alone small things. And that is why life is hard. Let me tell you, life is not supposed to be like that. Life is supposed to be the smooth flow, the light and easy flow of the spirit. And when you have that for so long, sometimes you forget how supernatural it is until it's taken away from you. When it's taken away from you, you realize the anointing is not carrying me the same way. I'm trying to row the boat instead of the current carrying me. When you're rowing the boat sweating, it's not the same as when the current carries you. I've been rowing a boat for the last six weeks instead of the current taking me. And you know what got me out of the current and into the rowing mode is one simple tiny error when he even warned me, but I thought I had an option, but I don't have an option because my job is to stay in the perfect will of God. So the Holy Ghost said to me, when all this happened and all this came out with my wife and, 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 I, and, I, and I broke before God and I said, Father, I'm so sorry. I did it with the right heart. It don't matter. It's still wrong. Some of you may not agree with me. Some of you may not understand, but if you'll just, just leave me alone. Yeah. I know God and I know when things are right and I know when things are not right. And so the Lord said to me, you cancel Friday immediately. I do not want you having services on Friday. And I said, but Lord, you told me a wild card service. What did you mean by that? Were you just telling me because you knew I was going to disobey anyway? Or, and he says, no, he said, I don't mind you having a Friday service once in a while, but I don't want it scheduled. It might be once a month. It might be once every two months. He said, when I prompt you, you can do a special service. It's a wild card service. It's a Holy Ghost service. You don't know what's going to happen. The people that are hungry show up and I'll move in whatever capacity I choose. But that was supposed to be a once in a while and you tried to make it every week. And by getting out of, now is God against services? No, but it was, I, uh, he was against this particular decision. He's not against services, but this particular thing, he didn't want that. Yeah. See, Friday night is my time with my children. It's always been the time with my children. So now for six weeks, well, more than that, because COVID, I was here on Friday night as well. So my kids in the last six weeks have been coming and say, Daddy, you used to spend time with us. This was our special time. Uh, why? And even the kids were starting to, to resent the church. Because my even Luke, five years old, said, I don't like church. And I said, what are you talking about? It takes my daddy away. It takes my daddy away. And he'd cry and he'd walk off to his room. 
And I'd go and I'd hug them and I'd say, baby, church doesn't take me away from you. I love you. We just have to change our schedule. But you see, God saw that. God saw that because I, I'm not just a father spiritually to people. I'm also a father naturally to my children. And if I lose my children, I've lost everything. I got to keep them close. I've got to, and that doesn't just mean prayer time. That means basketball time. I mean, I beat Cole so shamedly every time he tries to play basketball with his overweight dad and he talks smack talk and he talks big talk. And I just, I just, just destroy him on the court. I mean, it's almost embarrassing. It's almost embarrassing. You know, we play chess. I just, I just take them down. To, I just show them the sights. I mean, it's over. It's, it's, uh, they're out. They're done. We try to play Uno. I just destroy. I just, I just, everything I do prospers. The Bible says everything that you put your hand to, Psalm 1 verse 3, shall prosper. The Uno prospers. The chess prospers. The basketball prospers. And the diet by faith prospers. And I'm on that treadmill, praise God. But I'm prospering. I can now run almost a kilometer. Praise God, I'm getting there. I won't quit till I can run 50 kilometers. David Hogan runs 20 kilometers sometimes twice a day. So I, my goal is I need to be able to run 50 kilometers. I, I'm not going to quit on that f glorious treadmill until I can hit the 50 mark. Praise God. So pray for me that my heart is strong. and <sighs> Hallelujah. And as soon, Lorraine, as soon, just as soon as I made that decision... In my heart, I said, Lord, it's not that you're against Fridays. It's that it wasn't your perfect will for this season in my life right now. And I disobeyed something so small meant so much to God. And so I made the adjustment in my heart. And immediately, I'm talking within seconds, it shocked me. It actually shocked me. I was, you, sometimes people can get so used to Reverend Greg having like a burden on them, like a heaviness. They actually don't even realize that the burden's there because they're so used to it. Yeah. They don't even realize that they're under a burden until the burden is, yeah. and then they're like, what is that? Yeah. I, it's not on me anymore. But you don't even realize it's on you because you're so used to it. And that's exactly what it felt like. I didn't even realize that I was under a burden. I mean, I knew I was when he talked to me, but the just in my heart, it just, I didn't realize it was so heavy. And as soon as I made that, it was like a thousand pounds lifted off my shoulders. And I felt free like a bird, like I could fly. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, and now you're back in my perfect will. And you're not going to feel that frustration. You're not going to feel that tiredness. You don't need to go on no sabbatical. You, everything is going to be smooth from this moment forward because I just need you to obey me, son. If I say don't go on that trip, don't go on that trip. If I say don't do a service, don't do a service. If I say do a service, then do a service. If I say sow that seed, then sow that seed. Because anytime you get out of the perfect will of God, if I say forgive that person, there was a family member that deeply hurt me years ago, deeply wounded me, deeply. I won't say any more details other than that. You don't know them. They've never come to our church. And about a month ago, I heard the Holy Ghost say, forgive them. I said, Lord, I'll forgive them by faith because I don't feel a rotten thing. And if I see them, I'll forgive them with the fivefold ministry is what I'll do. <laughs> Now, that's not really forgiveness, but I did it by faith. And over time, uh, it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And then he said, now communicate with them. Then he said, now invite them to your home. I said, now that's gone far enough, Lord. I, I, it's one thing to forgive them and stay silent. I'm not inviting them to my home. You see, the forgiveness had not really borne full fruit. It had started, but it had not borne full fruit. So I got to the point over time where I had got to the point where I had forgiven them. And then I started praying for them. And the Lord said, buy them a present. I'm not buying. But I got over that and I bought them a present. Invite them. I'm not cooking dinner. I got over that. And they haven't come yet because they're sick because of COVID. Because they're full of devils. Anyway, um, but, but praise God. Hallelujah. As you can see. <laughs> The harvest of forgiveness is still coming to fruition. But as soon as they're over their COVID and they've done their 14 day, uh, whatever you call it, and they're clear and screening is done, uh, they're coming over and I have a gift and I'm going to make them a nice big juicy steak. But you see, now listen to me. If I had, if I had said no to that, I would be out of the perfect will of God and life would get hard for me. 
Some of you, you've, you, you, it may not be about money. It might not be about church attendance. It might be about forgiveness. It might be about something else. It might be because God told you, I want you to start a business. It might be because God said, I want you to do this action. It could be a variety of different things. If you don't do it, you, 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 you might not notice it for a while, but over time, things will st- you'll start to go, why do I feel this way? Why is your life so hard? Why am I so frustrated? Why is this edge on me? Why am I, I'm just, there's something's not right. Now, if you're spiritual, you'll pick it up in here before you pick it up in here. But then you just make that small adjustment and then the, whole, and then the anointing comes back and the gears start moving and the light and easy flow again and you're just full of joy and peace. Listen, it's not worth getting out of the will of God and it's not worth getting into the permissive will of God. Whatever you think you're gaining and whatever you think you're getting away with, it's not worth it because the anointing will not make your life smooth and light and easy without being in the perfect will of God. That includes relationships. Some of you, you're going to get involved in wrong relationships and, and you don't even realize that you're out of the will of God, but things start getting hard. That should be an indicator. Go back and check. Do you understand? You almost lost me in turn, not forever, but you almost lost me. I'm serious. I, I was going to leave. I was because now I've discovered that there's a whole hoax. What's going on It's a whole big lie and hoax. There's a gag order from the government on the airlines and they're telling people that they can't say certain things. Uh, you can cross the border. The borders are wide open, my brother and sister. I don't know if you know that they've been open since May. You can't cross the land border, which is completely asinine, because I don't know why there's such a double standard, but people have been flying in and out of the United States that are non-essential people since May 17th. You can go anywhere you want in the United States. It's open and clear, and you can book your own ticket online. People have been doing it since May. CBC's written two articles about it, saying Canadians don't know that they can go to the United States, even if they're non-essential. (laughs) because there's all this confusion and a lot of, I think there's a lot of corruption and I think there's a lot of conspiracies and I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that the regular person like me and you don't know about. No, you can go. You just have to self-isolate when you get home. But if you're willing to self-isolate for 14 days, you can go anywhere you want. Not anywhere in Europe. There's certain countries you can't go to, but in the States you can go. You just have to self-isolate. So I really seriously considered going off for a holiday and then coming home, self-isolating for two weeks and then coming back to church. And I just will be gone for three, four months. And I don't really care if there's church and I don't really care if anybody preaches to you or not. And if you don't want to give an offering, I don't really care about that either. And if the church goes down and I have to pull out of the building fund, tough luck. I'm done. I'm done and I'm leaving. I was that close to making that decision. And over something as simple, Greg, as just missing it about a service. Now, you know, that scares me a little bit, Lorraine, in a good way, a holy fear, because it shows me that God was that particular about something so small. It means that my room for error is so narrow. And when I miss it, the, 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 the price I paid for missing it was so great. And could have been even greater unless the Holy Ghost got a hold of me and my wife got a hold of me. So you can thank her because she's the one that got a hold of me. You don't give me any credit. You thank her. She's the one that, that slapped me a bit and said, what's wrong with you? Let's, let's seek God together. There's an answer why you're feeling this way. Thank God. You don't, if you're feeling like that, it's not from God. There's a problem. You've missed it somewhere. Sometimes you could be in the perfect will of God and it's just the devil attacking you. But other times you've missed it somewhere. Go back and find out where you missed it. And make the adjustment and you'll see things return to smoothness. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I was going to do my mini sermon, but I just don't feel it fits. I feel that that was what we needed to do today. I think to try to start another whole thought process, will, will, it, it just doesn't fit. I just felt like to, that's what you needed to hear today. God cares about you being right where he wants you. Right where he wants you. Make sure that you're ticking the boxes, not legalistically, but from a pure heart of obedience. Father, I'm not just obedient, but I'm willing. I've got the right attitude. I'm not just doing what you've said, but I'm doing it with the right attitude. If I'm, I'm faithful, I'm tithing, I'm forgiving, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Whatever you've led me to do and whatever you've led me not to do, I'm going to obey you because I want life to be smooth and full of the anointing and, and easy and light. That doesn't mean that everything's easy, but even in tests and trials, there's a light and easiness. Even when people hate you, there's a light and ease. Even when you're attacked, there's, a light. there's like a current that just carries you. It's like it lifts you up over the problem and it carries you. It's better than doing this over oh my God, I'm rowing so hard. I'm so tired. I'm going to quit. And something so small had such a big effect. Praise God.
So uh, I said to the Lord, well, Lord, I'll obey you. I said, but that doesn't mean if we're canceling Fridays, which we are canceled Fridays now. Uh, I said, but not all the people can fit in to three services. And the Lord said, I know that. He said, you do it because I told you to do it. So if you don't get, if you don't get a, a church service in the week, I guarantee you Lorraine knows exactly who's on the list that can't be invited because there's not enough room in the sanctuary because of all the rules, the 30% rule. If you're not invited to a service on Sunday, Sunday, or Wednesday, you will be the first one invited the next week. And some people, that means you might have to skip once in a while and then be offered the next week. And others, of course, many, many of you, you'll get an invitation every week. And we're doing it very fairly on a rotation. We're not just picking, well, they're not a tither or they're not a leader or we don't really like the way they dress. Let's give them, let's not invite them. We don't play those games. Everybody is completely equal and it's just random picking and if you don't get asked one week there is no Friday so you can't just show up like we were doing before just wait till the next week and watch live you watch live stream for three months anyway just watch live stream I am more afraid of missing it <laughs> and the problem that will cause to the ministry in the long run than I am canceling a service I need to spend time with my children I need to spend time with my wife I need to spend more time resting and more time praying and more time just waiting quietly before the Lord plus there's Bible school already so that's another service plus we have prayer meetings so you know there's a lot going on so Fridays is out I'm just letting you know when I'm ready for it and it won't be in August because I'm already boycotted August I'm not having any services in August. I don't want them. So we're not having them. We'll have them some maybe in September. Maybe. We'll see. Praise God. That means that Taylor can come back to his normal schedule with the youth because they lost their Friday nights. So now their youth are on Fridays. Young adults are on Fridays again. And they're kicking off their Friday, first Friday with a lock-in and a party. Social distancing mask party. But a lock-in party. I don't know how you're going to have fun with masks and social distancing, brother, but you're going to find a way because we like Mr. Doug. We want to obey. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, let the people here, if things are not, if the cylinders aren't firing right, if they're hurt, if they're frustrated, if, if life is just not the way they know in their spirits, not their emotions, but in their spirit, they know something's not right. It's not right. Let them go and find, let them go back to what you told them. Let them go back to the last instruction. Let them pray in the Holy Ghost. You will show them where they stepped off the path. They were on a beautiful path, but now their foot is in the mud. And now, the, and now it's hard because they keep stepping in the mud. And one foot's on the path and one foot's in the mud because they're, they're, they're off that perfect will. They're into the permissive will. Or maybe they're out of the will altogether and they're on a beaten path and they're not even on the main road. But either way, Father, life's not as easy. It's not as good. It's not as good. I want life to be good for them. I want life to be peaceful and smooth for them. They must obey. They must be in the perfect will of God for things to work right. If they're not working right, let them have enough humility to go and call upon you and humble themselves before you and fall at your feet and say, Father, show me where I've missed it. It's obviously not on your side, it's on my side. Show me, I want back that light and easy. I want back that smoothness. I want back that ease. Praise God. I want, even though life's a lot of work and it's hard and it's tiring, but there's still a, a spiritual help. There's a, there's a current that carries us. And I need that Holy Ghost. And I'm asking that from you, Holy Ghost. Lord, you've helped me. I thank you that you'll help them. Father, we've stepped into something new today. You've already been with me early in the morning hours today showing me what is to come. Lord, the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Truth that shows us things to come. Lord, I have a biblical right to know the future because I've got the Holy Ghost. And you have been revealing to me some things that are to come. And Lord, you've showed me that we're in the perfect will, the perfect timing, the perfect place. You're exactly where you want this church to be. And the days ahead are very, very bright. So I thank you. That means their days ahead are bright because they're connected to me and to this vision. And that anointing on me and this vision is on them and it's coming on them stronger and the increase is coming stronger and the days ahead are going to be the best days we've ever seen. So Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Thank you for the new room and thank you for teaching us. Thank you for teaching me how to stay in the perfect will of God. Help them to learn this lesson themselves. I give you praise and glory in the mighty name of Jesus.